0: To Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker on this 10th Sunday after Pentecost set of readings, which will occur on August the 9th. And we're going to be taking a look at them. They are from Job chapter 38, Romans chapter 10, Matthew 14. Now, you may be asking the question why do we do this each Monday? Why do we take a look at the readings? There's only one purpose that I have in doing this, and that is to show you how the Bible throughout makes very important distinctions between law and gospel. Uh, For example, in Job 38, Job is taken on a trip by God and asks, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Of course, Job has not. And the point is, from a law gospel point of view, is that God is the author of the creation of the world. It certainly didn't come about by evolution. It came about in six 24-hour days, and Job had nothing to do with that. So that is an important point, that under the law, you're the one who does everything. Under the gospel, God is the one who does everything. And to show how important God is, the Matthew 14 passage has Jesus walking on the water. And of course, when the disciples saw that, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Peter wanted to walk to him, and he was allowed to until he saw the wind, and he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. It's Jesus who reached out his hand took hold of him. O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So once more, the Matthew passage shows Jesus is God, because only God has the power over wind and wave. Well, we're going to take a closer look, though, at the epistle reading, This has been an ongoing reading from Romans by the Apostle Paul, and it's not going to be hard to find the distinctions between law and gospel in it. In fact, it begins with verse 5, Romans 10. Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. Now, what what does he mean by that? He explains it in verse 5, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Now, how many Bible passages do you want me to show you from the Old Testament where it is clear that righteousness could come from obedience to the law? In fact, in the great passage in Exodus, When the animals are sacrificed, the people say, we will obey the law. And, of course, they worship the golden calf. Nobody becomes righteous based on their obedience to the law. Well, if righteousness is not found in obedience to the law, By a person obeying the commandments and living by them. How is righteousness based? Verse 6. But the righteousness based on faith. Wow. There's your distinction between law and gospel. There's two ways that a person could be righteous. The one is righteousness by obedience to the law. Which is not possible, because since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, all of us have original sin, and therefore it is impossible for us to obey the law perfectly. We have an old Adam, and the old Adam always has an ulterior motive in obeying the law. The only proper motive is faith. In Jesus Christ so the righteousness based on faith says this do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead Now, this concept of going to heaven or into the abyss, and the abyss can mean going into the sea to deliver a person from the curses of law and the wrath of God. Nobody can go that way. Nobody can go up to heaven and put me in possession of, of the undefiled inheritance all this is impossible to be done as for a man to ascend to heaven or go down into the deep no but the righteousness of the law encourages such despondency and despair whereas the righteousness of faith which is The doctrine of justification by faith in Christ's righteousness forbids everything of the former kind. It assures the sinner that you don't have to go up to heaven to find Christ or go down to the deep. But Christ has come down from heaven in human nature. That, of course, is called the Incarnation where he took on human flesh. And he suffered, died, and was obedient to God. And he is risen again for our justification. So in other words, don't be trying to figure out how you can get up to heaven or go down into the deep to find Christ. He's there In your midst. That's verse 8. But what does the Bible say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. Now remember, Paul is writing his letter to the Romans who are Christians. Who are believers. And some of them may be thinking, I need to get up to see Jesus in heaven or I need to go to the abyss into the deep to find him so that I might receive salvation no what Paul is saying is salvation consists of being declared righteous in God's sight and that does not take place your obedience to the law it takes place by your faith in the gospel that means it's in your mouth and in your heart already if you are a believer because verse 9 and this is so misunderstood if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, I'll I'll tell you how many people interpret this verse. Remember, every verse in the Bible can be interpreted in one of two ways, the wrong way and the right way. Some people say, Well, if I can get an unbeliever to confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, then he will be saved. Notice that they take this verse to be talking about the procedure which we use to try and get a person saved. This is not talking to unbelievers or how to get an unbeliever to be saved. This is talking instead to believers and giving them assurance that they are saved. Remember, it is the believers who are asking the question, how can I ascend to heaven? Or how can I descend into the abyss to receive salvation? And the Apostle Paul is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you not confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Well, yes, I do. Do you not believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? In other words, do you not believe the resurrection? Yes. Then you will be saved. Salvation is based on the faith that is within you. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, how do you move an unbeliever to that point? You don't tell him, well, believe. Believe. Namely, that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. Unbelievers can't do that because they don't have faith. So we do instead what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28. Go to all nations and baptize them, teaching them to observe everything I have told you. And that teaching, of course, is about the message of salvation When Jesus heals the individual who has many demoniacs and by the way that's in Gentile territory. It's the first time that Jesus went into Gentile territory across the Sea of Galilee. The man says let me go with you because before he was crazy. That's the occasion when the Demons, 2,000 of them, go into the pigs, rush down the hill, and they die. They suffocate in the water. He wants to go with Jesus. Jesus says no. Now, up to this point, Jesus has been telling people in Jewish areas, do not tell others what I have done for you. Keep quiet. But many of them still spread the message of how they were healed. But in this case, Jesus tells them to go into the city and tell what God has done. The next verse in Mark chapter 5 is the man goes not only to that city, but the cities of Decapolis. Those are ten cities. And what he says is what jesus has done which shows very clearly that he believes that jesus is god now up to this time there was a kind of a messianic secret why did jesus want him to tell others because this was gentile territory they hadn't yet heard about the message of christ they would not be squeezing around him So he didn't have to be in a boat to preach to them. And there were not enemies there who wanted to put him to death like there were in the Jewish areas. So that was a big reason why he told the man healed of demons to go and preach to those in the Decapolis, into those cities. So. When he preaches the Holy Spirit can put faith in the heart of an individual. As verse 11 says, for the scripture says, everyone not who obeys, but anyone everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. This is huge. This is what Christianity is all about. Yes, there may be considered two ways of salvation, but the way of obeying the law is the way that every other religion in the world teaches that you can be saved, to impress God so he becomes pleased with you through your obedience, and he may then decide to save you. But no, Scripture says everyone who believes in him. Now, does that mean you believe that he existed? No. To believe in Jesus means to believe that he has done the work that saves us. First of all, he obeyed all the laws of God. He followed the will of God. And that righteousness is transferred over to you, particularly at your baptism or when you hear the word of God and are saved. This is very, very important because only Christianity teaches salvation by grace through faith on account of Christ. Even while you are a sinner, God declares you to be saved. And is he just talking about Jews? Well, remember, the letter to the Romans was written to Gentile believers. So verse 12, For there is no distinction between the Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all, what? Who obey him? No, who call on him. And verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We've spoken about this a number of times. We may be getting uh, to it later on. Where Paul makes a distinction that not all Israel is of Israel. In other words, there are Jews who think they're saved because they can trace their lineage back to Abraham in the flesh. but it is not the Jews of the flesh who are saved. it is the, the Jews of the promise who believe the promises given to Abraham about through Isaac will come the Messiah. And, of course, he came through the Virgin Mary. Now, to make it clear that nobody can be saved by ascending to heaven or descending into the deep, Paul asks this question, verse 14, Romans 10, And how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? I don't understand why evangelicals today don't read this verse because you even see, as I've said a number of times, television advertisements to unbelievers telling them all they need to do is call on the name of the Lord, namely believe that God raised him from the dead. But they can't because they're unbelievers. So how are they to call on him, which then saves them? Or the other part of verse 14, Paul makes clear. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? In other words, these advertisements on television are speaking to unbelievers. They haven't attended church, many of them. They don't know about the life of Jesus. How can you get them to believe in their heart that Jesus has saved them when they haven't even heard about him? Verse 15. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Wow. Now, that word preach just isn't a word used for pastors. It's really a way in which even the lay people can preach. Lay people can preach? Well, how do you think parents bring up their children in a Christian household? They read them Bible verses. They explain who Jesus is. And in that way people come to a great understanding of what Jesus truly is. Verse 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? And that's kind of what an apostle or a disciple is, one who is sent by God to preach to unbelievers about the good news. In fact, verse 15 continues, As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, that's all Old Testament language, that from the very beginning, the prophets were preaching the good news about Jesus Christ, that he was to come and to take away the curse of the law verse 16 but they have not all obeyed the gospel now the word obey there isn't referring back to obedience of the law the word obey the gospel means they haven't listened to God Uh, for example uh, let's say it's your son's birthday, and you tell him, We have a present for you in the basement. Maybe it's that new bike he was asking for. But he's playing on his phone a game and says, Well, I'll go down and see it when I'm ready. He doesn't obey the invitation to go down, so he doesn't get his bike right away. And that's what Isaiah is saying. The gospel is preached to them. They get more than a new bike. They get eternal salvation. But many of them, when they hear it, they have not obeyed the gospel. In fact, Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. Even if Jesus is preaching, doesn't mean that the persons who hear him are going to believe properly. He feeds 5,000, and that was after a sermon where I'm sure he talked about that they were justified and declared righteous by what he was going to do dying on a cross, rising from the dead. But not only did they not believe it, having seen the miracle of a little bit of bread and fish feeding 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, but they go chase after him, wanting to make him a bread king. And Jesus has to leave them. Because they missed the sign. They thought that he would be coming to restore Israel to its former grandeur to get rid of the Romans and give them food to eat and money, etc. They missed the sign of the miracle. They did not believe in him. Now, many of them did come finally to believe in him. Much of it came through the preaching of the apostles, like Peter. Read that sermon at Pentecost when 3,000 people came to faith. So Isaiah is making the point that just because they hear the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that they're going to believe it. So verse 17 is really critical So faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the history of the Bible? No, remember the Pharisees believed in six-day, 24-hour creation. They believed the separation of the Red Sea. They believed the miracles done by Elijah and others. But they did not have faith in Jesus Christ when he came. So it's not believing the history, it's believing the gospel. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What a tremendous passage, Romans 105 to 17, clearly making the distinctions between law and gospel, which we will also do tomorrow with Mark Smith, with the hymn, Eternal Father Strong to Save. Join us for tomorrow's Law and Gospel. God bless.
1: Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.